Good morning. What a great day to be able to celebrate God by observing the Lord's Supper, celebrating through worship, and now to be able to get into God's Word. I want to say thank you. Several of you uh, consistently send me funny emails that come across your, your desk, and so this is one of them. I just wanted to forward this on to you. It was a little story. It said, on a job application, one of the questions read, have you ever been arrested? The applicant reprinted, no. The next question was followed up, was a follow-up question that asked, Why? The naive applicant wrote, I guess it's because I never got caught. <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? At least he had some kind of honor integrity, right? It's good. Question for you. Are we a culture of honor? Are we a culture of honor? This last year, uh, this past summer, I, I had the privilege of taking my oldest daughter to Kenya, and then also into Tanzania. And as we went through, we got to a place where we were going to come into a tribe. It was the Maasai tribe. And as we were going in, the missionary stopped us and he said, just so you know, there are certain things that if you do these actions, it would bring dishonor to the tribe and they would become very frustrated and upset with us. But if you do certain things, this would be considered as showing them honor. And so one of the things that we did was, in order to come to the village, you needed to bring a gift, all right? So what we did was we had several of us in our group, and so we brought cases of Coca-Cola. That's a gift for anybody, right? And so it was glass bottles of Coca-Cola, and so we bring these cases in, and as we bring them in, they're excited, and they're, they, they welcome us, and they allow us to come in. And then it was about 45 minutes later, it was a very strange sight. You see, these Maasai tribal warriors bringing the Cokes back to us. I'm thinking, well, man, they already drank it. What happened? You know, you, you just don't know, really know what's going on. And what happens is, is if you give them a gift, they need to give you a gift in return. And so since it, the Cokes have been in their possession for at least 45 minutes, they decided it was theirs and now they could give them back to us because they didn't really have anything they wanted to give us. It was a pretty good gift, right? Honor. Now what happened was I had to start thinking about this question. In our society, what does it look like when we say honor? How do we honor people? How do we interact with this word honor? Our country was founded with men and women who understood what honor was. It was grained into our society. And in the Declaration of Independence, if you remember the last lines of the Declaration of Independence, they actually signed it with a phrase that says this, and for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred, good job, honor. Our country started off with a very strong sense of what honor is, what it should be, what it looks like, how it's played out in individual lives, what it is played out, how it's played out on a national level. And then here's what's happened now. We have become a culture that is in a tailspin when it talks about values. We have no place in which we rest our values because everyone does what's right in their own eyes. We no longer have a base or a foundation because what has happened is this, this idea of and philosophy of relativism where anything goes, whatever philosophy you want to buy into, it's good, it's right. C.S. Lewis, a famous philosopher, teacher from England. He actually writes a book, and his book was called The Abolition of Man. 
I've read that this summer as we were flying over. My daughter fell asleep. And so as she's, as she's asleep, I'm reading this. And I just stopped in the middle of this because what he begins to do is he, he is hitting as relativ, uh, relativism is actually coming in to England. He hits it and he says, here's a prophecy. Here's the prediction. When you begin to get rid of the morals, when you begin to get rid of it, you're about to have a dangerous problem. He said he would rather play cards with a man who disbelieved God, who did not believe in God, but who had been taught from childhood that a gentleman should not cheat. He said that would be a better card game than to play with a philosophy professor who believed in no right and wrong. He continues, and here's what he said. In a sort of ghastly simplicity, we have removed the organ and demanded the function. We make men without chest and expect of them virtue and enterprise. We laugh at honor, and we are shocked to find traitors in our midst. We castrate and then bind, bid the gildings be fruitful. I stopped and I paused, and I had to sit there for a while, and I kept thinking about it. And here's what we, I began to understand, what, I began to comprehend what he was doing and how he was moving throughout the book and his philosophy and the prophecy. He's saying there's no way you can beg people to have values and virtues when you've ripped out the very core of where values reside. Let me say it a different way. Here's what we have done. The reason that you see in the political arena, as we're gathering into a new time of voting, one of the key agenda items are going to be, vote for me because of my values. We are a culture that is looking for values, but we have no idea where to get values. But we promote it, and we say we have it, and we say we want it, but yet we are lost because we have no foundation where we put it on. So your value is just as good as my value. Are you listening? And the way you define your value can be even different than the way I define my value because your opinion is just as good as my opinion and there's no way to balance the truth. And we gripe and complain about where our society is going and yet we have a generation upon generation upon generations. We are now four generations removed from really truly being a Christian majority society. And you wonder why we can't figure out what's wrong. So here's what I'm going to do. Over the next, it's going to be about eight weeks, I'm going to come back to values. Some values that are just inerrant in the Word of God that you see throughout. And I'm going to use the book of Proverbs. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 15. When my daughter came into seventh grade, what I did with her is I said, okay, babe, this is what we're going to do. We're going to study Proverbs for the year. And we walked through Proverbs. And here's one of the reasons we did. We would take an hour to two hours every week, her and I, sitting at Starbucks. She got to buy her whatever thing. And I got to just drink my black coffee. She picked it. And we said, okay, this is, so that was my way of enticing her to study with me, right? She could have some kind of caffeinated drink. And I would pay a lot of money for her, whatever that was. And then we'd go through Proverbs. And why did I choose Proverbs? Here's why. Because it was written by the wisest man who ever lived for the most part. The majority of them are written by him. And he wrote them to his sons, his daughters, as a way in which to call them out to be kings and queens, to call them out to be princesses and princesses, to live at a different level than all of the people around. And as I began to bring 
Proverbs into her life, I began to see, and it kind of it was a combination of how God was working last year with this idea of values being destroyed and where are we going. And so what I want to do is bring this together for us. People ask, Keith, what do you teach your kids? I teach Proverbs consistently, over and over again. Why? Because they are simple, according to Proverbs. They are the simple ones. Simple ones are those who are young, who do not have enough life experience to really even understand right and wrong. A fool is someone who knows what's right, but yet chooses to do wrong. And so I began to walk with them to help them to begin to crave what wisdom is. I encourage you, Proverbs is not just for kids. It's also for those in college. If you're in college, consistent diet on the Proverbs will begin to give you practical application on how to live out God's word as an adult. Consistent diet of bringing the word of God to life, saying this is what God has called me to live like, to be like, will revolutionize your values because believe me, you don't have to, but you have been trained to think according to this world by what you watch and what you read and how you've been trained in your school. I'm not against public school. My My wife is a school teacher in the public school system. But I also know this. We need to regain a generation. So Proverbs chapter 15, over the next few weeks, I'm going to walk you through Proverbs. I'm going to show you some different passages and values that I hope begins to bless your life so that it can give you a foundation in which you can talk to your kids, where you can actually put this foundation for your own personal life, so that maybe, just maybe, we can bring these values back into your home, back into your personal life, back into the church, and back into our society. Proverbs chapter 15, would you stand for the reading of God's word? We're going to start off talking about honor, and here's what it says. Go all the way down to verse 33. It says, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for your blessings. I thank you for how you care for us and how that you want to work in our lives. God, I'm asking now, as we've sang songs, I pray that it's been a sweet sound to you. As we've remembered Jesus' death on the cross through observing the Lord's Supper, I pray that, God, you did a great work in cleansing us and calling us to a new level. And now, Father, as we look into your word, I pray that you bless it. And I pray that you'd speak directly into our lives. I pray for freedom of the Holy Spirit to work in this place. Give us the ears to hear. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you give us the courage to apply it to our lives so that we walk out of here a different people. In Jesus' precious name I pray, and all God's people said, amen. As you're being seated, if you pull out your bulletins, I will have some notes in here for you so you can follow along and know where we're going, and I'll be able to um, even throw out, I'm going to throw out a lot of verses today. I know what's happening. I'm just throwing it out to you so you have a chance to look at it during the week, all right? Let's define what honor is. I have a Noah Webster dictionary that my wife gave me. It's an 1828 dictionary. It was written by Noah Webster himself. And as he defines, I went to this dictionary and I wanted to define what honor meant. It says, quote, to revere, to respect, to treat with difference and submission, to elevate in rank, end quote. So here's what we have. Honor is adding value to someone 
by the way in which we speak, interact with them. Dishonor, if I'm going to dishonor someone, then what I'm going to do is to treat as common, ordinary, as having no value at all. Are you following? So value is to, or honor is to add value. Dishonor is to take away value by the way I speak, the way I act. So here's what we have. Your first sentence, your first understanding, what we need to look at is this. God commands, God commands honor based on position. We have to start here because there are certain positions God automatically assumes that this is important and you must honor no matter who you are. And it starts even all the way back with the Ten Commandments in Exodus. Starts in the family, Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your, say it, you got it. Honor, it is just, if you're a child, you are to honor, to add value to, to speak highly of, to interact with, honor your parents. It's commanded, not based on their actions, but based on their position. We live in a society in which consistently, whether you're watching TV, I watch, we, we flip through the channels and we'll see um, TV shows that are geared towards teenagers or TV shows geared towards uh, college students, TV shows even geared on Disney Channel, geared towards little kids. And what you find is this, you find dads who are stupid, moms who are airheads, and kids completely dishonoring, and we think that that's normal. We live in a society in which we think it's normal and okay for a teenager to yell and scream, I hate you, and slam doors. I just want to help you out. My name's Heath. I'm your friend. In my house, there's only one response. You can call me old-fashioned, but when I speak as a father and I ask something of my children, the only correct response is what? It's not even yes. It's not even yeah. It's yes, sir. When they walk into church, if I hear that they've been talking to a teacher in church or an adult incorrectly, or if you say hi to my kids and I see that they did not make eye contact with you and didn't turn around and give you honor, we have a problem. When they don't honor their teachers, when they don't honor college students who are in authority, we have to have one of those come to Jesus meetings. Have you ever had one of those? Yeah, man. I mean, that's just part of it. It's a come to Jesus meeting. Now, Tim Hawkins, a comedian, he's in town. And here's how he says. He, he actually said, hey, in my family, we've, I've stopped spanking. He said, don't judge him. But he said, I've moved to tasers. Yeah, right? So I'm not for sure which way you want to go. I don't know if that's too far or not, all right? But honor is important. Now, we'll keep going. Honor. So it's honor on position, family, right? Honor your children. Now, let me help you out as well. Ephesians 5. There's positions in the home that you are to honor. Ephesians 5 is all about men, you are to love your wives with honor. Women, you are to respect your husbands with what? Honor. In the home, a man is to love and respect and honor his wife, and the wife is to honor and respect. I get to do pre-marriage counseling with couples, and we have college students in, in, the, in the church, and I am so thankful for them, and it is a blast. When you sit there and you talk to them and you talk to them about love, man, they have rose-colored glasses. Everything's going to be great. They're living on love, and I mean, they just can't wait to get married. Why is love so easy in the beginning? 
honor. You brought honor in. You honor them. You like the TV shows she likes to watch. Ugh. Right? I mean, you like, you, she wants to watch football with you. And then after about five years or seven years, 10 years, whatever, what happens is this. Instead of adding value and showing significance and showing honor, what we begin to do in our marriages is what? Dishonor. Treat as ordinary, to treat as common. And you wonder why your marriage isn't doing well. It's because honor has been removed and dishonor has been inserted. The Bible says we are to honor. Let me keep going. There's other positions. Let me show you these positions. I got to move fast because time is moving. Authorities. Authorities. Authorities, such as Colossians chapter 3. It talks about employers, the slave. You are to honor in everything. It says obey in everything those who your earthly masters. Uh Uh-oh. You heard it. If you have a boss, it is your duty to honor your boss, to honor your employee. It even goes so far as in Colossians chapter 4 to say if you're a boss, remember that you have a boss in heaven. And you are to honor your employees. This is a command. Well, Heath, you don't know how big of a jerk my boss is. I know. I don't have to. It's a command. Let me show you another one just in case that one doesn't get under your nerves. To honor those who are in authority in your own country. Romans chapter 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Well, time out. You're talking about the guy in the Oval Office? Yep. I don't don't agree with him. You're right. You probably don't. But you are to honor him. In my house, I do my best to call him President Obama. Not Obama, because he is in a position of authority. And it is my job to honor him. Well, what about his political views and his way? I hear you, but here's what we have to do. I can share with my kids, here's some of the ways in which we differ. Here's why I would disagree. But I do not disrespect or dishonor President Obama in my home, even to my wife. Or allow my kids to dishonor him as well. Why? It's commanded to honor. I know this is hard, and it's going to get even quieter on the next one. You ready for the next one? <laughs> this is, this is going to be a fun one. First Timothy actually says that we are to honor who? We are to honor. This is hard. We are to honor church leaders. What do you mean, Heath? Bible says in first Timothy, it actually says this, that we're to honor and actually give double honor to any of those who rule well. I have, I am a church consultant. I have helped other pastors and helped other churches walk through how to change and walk through culture change within churches. And as you talk with pastors and as you talk with churches, I guarantee you one of the quickest ways in which you remove God's blessing on a church is when you begin to dishonor church leaders. It's commanded. Well, Heath, I don't like you. I don't like who... I'm just playing because I don't really get that many emails. But do you hear it? And it doesn't flow to just me. It flows to committees. It flows to those who are leading in your Sunday school class, your home group, those who are helping out in the children's area, those who stand at the door. It flows through it all. 
When you dishonor, you're removed. Now, let me show you something, because I want to walk us through and help you understand this and give you a visual that maybe you can go home with. Let me help make sure we now move into, there's another area of honor, and it's also called respect. Your second point is this, respect. Respect is given, respect is earned based on actions. Here's Noah Webster. Here's how he defines respect. To regard, to have regard to in design or purpose. He continues and says this, to respect the person, to suffer the opinion or judgment to be influenced or biased by a regard to the outward circumstances of a person. So here's what he's saying. He says, respect is this. Respect is somebody earns it based on their actions, based on their merit, based on what they're doing. So there's an honor, and then there's this other idea of honor to respect where you take it to another level and say, not only do I honor them for their position, but I actually like them and respect them as a person because of their actions, they have earned it. Now, Vance Havner remarked, he said, I used to say man is going to the dogs, but I stopped saying that out of respect for the dogs. He had more respect for the... So here's what we need to understand. Let me give you two points to help clarify, and then I'm going to give you an illustration here. According to Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 1, fools, foolish actions should not receive honor. Proverbs 26 and 1, it says, like snow in the summer or rain in the harvest. So honor is not fitting to a fool. You don't have to give respect to someone who's actually making foolish decisions, who are consistently making foolish decisions. says it doesn't work. You don't have snow in the summer. Why? Because that wouldn't make sense. Proverbs 26, 80 says, like one who binds the stone in the sling is one who gives honor to a fool. So foolish actions should not receive honor. But then he moves on and he talks about wise actions. You should give honor. You should give honor to those, to a person who does what's right, Proverbs 21, 21. A person who does right, whoever pursues the righteousness and and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. A person who's teachable, someone who is teachable, Proverbs 13, 8. Poverty and disgrace will come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honorable. You are to give respect, to give honor to those who make wise choices, such as the woman in Proverbs chapter 31 who lives well, who embraces and teaches her family well. It says strength and dignity in Proverbs 31, 25. Strength and honor. Dignity is the word for honor or her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. A servant who works hard for his master, Proverbs 27, 18. A king who searches out and tries to understand as many things. He should deserve honor. Now, so here's what we have. I'm going to use an illustration here of an umbrella. Here's what you have. We have just been taught that there are certain people based on positions, men or women, that we are to honor. Now, it's a good thing we are Baptist and not superstitious, right? Because I am going to open an umbrella in a building. All right, so here's what we have. So God has commanded us. He says, okay, if you're a child, if you're a husband, if you're a, a wife, if you are a employee, if you're a boss... If you're a citizen of a nation, if you are in a church, then there are certain positions that you must obey. You must honor. And when you honor, here's what happens. He places you under the authority of God's blessing. When you're under an umbrella, you receive protection and you receive blessing. The rain comes down. It protects you from getting wet, but you still enjoy the blessings of the rain and the water. Does that make sense? So while you're under God's authority... 
and you are fulfilling what God has called you to do according to honoring those who he commanded, he gives you protection and he gives you blessing. But when you step out of it, you lose God's protection and God's blessing. So let's play this out. Now, we just talked about those who are respectable because of their actions or their merit. Now, follow me. So as a child, I am to honor my parents, right? Even if they don't deserve it. Now, if they deserve it, then I take one more step and I honor them and give them extra respect because of their leading and parenting well. What happens if, let's just use the example of church leaders. I want to share with this because as a pastor, uh, I had to walk through this conversation. There was a point where I was a student pastor and I got frustrated with my boss. You ever had that happen? You get frustrated with your boss. And so here's what happens. I was frustrated with my boss. He treated me wrong. He did something wrong. I'm frustrated. I'm upset and I'm mad. Okay. The rift goes far enough where somehow the head deacon hears about it. All right. So the head deacon and the pastor either were talking or whatever. So the head deacon takes me out and the head deacon says, Hey, Heath, let's go to lunch. I said, okay, let's go. I'm in my mid twenties. And he said, let's, let's talk. And he starts talking about the pastor and he starts asking, why are you mad? What's going on? I'm now at a point in which I have to choose. If I begin to talk about the pastor, he's my boss. He's my authority. And he's also a church leader, right? If I stay here, I get God's blessings and God's protection. If I step out by talking negative, now although he's a church leader to this deacon, I lose God's protection and blessing. Are you following this? So now I'm here and I'm having to sit and I'm in my 20s and I'm looking across the table and he keeps prodding me. He said, Heath, I'm a, I'm a deacon, I'm a chairman. I hear you, but this is not between me and you. This is not yours. This is not mine to talk to you about. I chose to stay here. And in the process, here's what happened. It took us about a year to kind of walk through because I had moved on. And then there was a moment where he and I began to interact and we began to walk back through things. And as we walk back through things, here's what happens. God restores the relationship in such a way that he continues to be a mentor in my life today. And he even preached my ordination service here. That's God moving and working in such a way. And God has used him to bring more opportunities through him based on how I honored and worked through it. Does that make sense? But I had a moment where I could have chose to burn that bridge and walk out of there and lose God's blessing and God's protection. And here's what I, here's what I fear. There are many in this room, you have all these relationships in which God has called you to honor. And you say, I can't do it because of this or because of that. And you, you wanna use those. And what you're doing is this, you're throwing God's blessing and protection away and you're missing out what God wants to do in your life. So here's what we need to do. Question, how do we honor? Why don't we do it? Why don't we work through this? As I kind of walk through it, there's two reasons why we don't do it. So these two reasons become really the foundation of the next two points. There's two reasons why we don't honor people. The first one is value and the next one's humility. That's really the bottom line of the two points. So here's your, your point. Why don't we honor It's because we don't value people correctly. So the point is this, the value I place on people determines how I honor them. Proverbs 14, verse 31 says this, whoever oppresses a poor man, stop right there. If he's poor, there's a good chance that he doesn't deserve honor because he didn't do anything respectable, right? 
It's what we kind of learned. You don't, give it, you don't give honor to a fool. But here's what he's going to play on. He's going to now turn the tide just a little bit. And he says, but wait, you insult the maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Now, here's what happens. The reason quite often we don't honor is because we don't value people properly. When you value people correctly, it is a natural overflow to honor them. Now watch. Jesus talks about how that in, in, a, in a room, he said, it's, it's repulsive. It's, it's, it's awful that when you see somebody with a finely dressed outfit, a finely dressed robe, when he walks into the room, that you jump up and say, oh, come on over here, come on over here, and you move them into the place of honor because of how they're dressed. We do this quite often, don't we? When we know that somebody has position or a power or somebody is dressed well and they have something to offer us, because they have something to offer us, we value them more, don't we? We value them, oh, what can they do for me? And so we value them more and we give them places of honor. And here's what Jesus said, guys, you're missing the point. Because what you then do is you see somebody who's, who's dressed in a poor rags and you come in and you say, sit, sit at my feet and serve me. We have a misunderstanding of value. Because what Jesus just said, or what it's just said, taught in Proverbs is this. Even the poor man, when you insult him, he has value. Why does he have value? Because he was made in God's image. And you're insulting the maker. You're insulting the creator. So here's what we do. I want to challenge you. Quite often, we value people based on position, power, or what they do for us. And the challenge is this. You can't honor someone until you value them. And you are to value everyone. This will go against racial reconciliation. This will go against gender reconciliation, nation reconciliation. If we begin to value others based on who they are, that God has created them, it will revolutionize the way in which you honor. Because no matter who they are, no matter how much they can do for you, God has made them and you should honor. So let me give you the second one. This one's about humility. Humility. Why don't we honor more people? One, we don't value them enough. We don't value them correctly. Two, the reason why we don't honor is because we want to be served rather than to be served. Here's your points. Before you can honor someone, you must have a humble servant spirit. You must have a humble servant spirit. Let me give you four verses, uh, three verses out of Proverbs. Here's what it says, Proverbs 15, 33. That's what we read to begin with. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom and humility comes before what? Say it. Humility comes before honor. Proverbs 18, 12. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before what? Proverbs 29, 23. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain what? Okay, let me play this out now. Because we see position and power as having more value, you and I live in a culture that says if you're number one, you have more value. If you have more wealth, you have more value. If you drive a nicer car, you have more value. We live in a society, we even teach our kids, if you're not number one, second place is the first loser. Am I the only one that has heard that before? 
We, we, we teach our kids, we, we put value. If you're first, you're good. If you're not first, you're bad. And what happens is this. It seeps into all part of our society and into our psyche in which we begin to look at people and we see people with position and power and we get into this trap and we start seeing ourselves as not having value because we're not in those positions or not wearing those clothes or not doing, does that make sense? And when that happens, we cannot serve. Why? Because we see serving as, well, I should get that. That's what you should be doing for me. We expect others to serve us, and we want that, and we're unwilling to give it. And the only way you can serve is by first becoming humble, where you understand they have value. And what gets hard and what is difficult is this. When you get to the point when you start serving and they get recognition more than you, and it's hard. And it takes all that pride and arrogance and it begins to creep up and you say, I deserve that, I need that. I need them to tell me that I have value. And we get our value all mixed up based on position instead of who we are in Christ. Now watch, let me give you an illustration on how this played out. Again, same, same scenario. I was a, a, a student pastor, and as a student pastor, part of the job description was that I was also the groundskeeper, all right? I had to do a lot of flipping and turning rooms, and I would, and so there was this one day in which I was asked to, to set up for a banquet. We were going to have about 750 people in the room, and so I was setting up, and what was frustrating was that I was already dressed up. I was already nice, all right? So I was already in nice clothes, I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking nice for the event, but I had to actually set up, and so I didn't bring a change of clothes, so I'm really frustrated that this is my job. I had two masters at the time, and I was so frustrated that God would even allow me to be the one who had to serve, right? You ever been there? I'm dressed up, and the last straw was when I was moving the table. I was moving the table, and it hit my shoe, and it scuffed it. Oh! Now, I, I, shoes need to be shiny, they don't need to have scuff marks. That's just a pet peeve of mine. I'm just weird like that, but that's just who I am. And when I scuffed my shoe, I about came unglued, all right? Now, there's nobody else down, in the, in the, down here in this lower part where I was setting up, so nobody else saw it. And man, I'm just mad as a hornet, and I'm just mad at God. And God and I are having, well, I was telling God all about it, and I thought I was in a good place, right? You been there? And then I remember the quote that I read early in the morning. And don't you hate when the Holy Spirit does this? And the quote said this, how do you know that you're a servant? Because everybody, everybody, if you ask a Christian, we've heard servants talks all this, and we all say, yes, I'm a servant, right? And I remember the quote, and the quote hit me like a ton of bricks, and it said, how do you know you're a servant? When you're treated like a servant, and you still serve. (laughs) Well, I was serving still, but man, I was mad about it. There was no humility in my heart, right? Because my pride had so risen. And here's what God had to start working. Heath, you don't deserve position. You don't deserve power. You don't deserve those things. That's if I choose to give it to you, I give it to you. Your value is not based on where you're at. Your value is based on who I am. And we started having to work through all those things. And I remember falling and saying, okay, God, I'm being a servant right now and I'm getting treated like a servant and I hate it and I don't like it. But God, because you've called me here, I'm gonna do my best and I'm gonna work through this. It's my authorities and I'm gonna work under it and I'm gonna do my best to serve so that God, you're glorified. 
Now, I wish it was that easy, but man, it took a while. It took a while to walk through it, and it took a while to begin to embrace it. Because in my competitive nature, I thought if you weren't one, number one, you weren't the best. You, weren't, you didn't have any value, and I had to walk through these things. So here's what I had to begin to understand. God's called me to honor. In this church, we tried to bring honor into it by having volleys where we celebrate and we celebrate those who serve alongside, where we, we bring out and we say that there is going to be a pastor appreciation month. This church didn't have that before I got here. And say, this is important. We're gonna start doing this. We're gonna learn what it means to honor people. Whether you like it or not, this is what we have to do. And Romans 12 and verse 10 says this, that in church, you ready? That we should try to outdo each other with honor. Can you imagine coming to church? And everybody's trying to outdo. Last week, they gave me a card. So this week, I'm going to buy them a gift card. Last week, and we start competing back and forth with how to honor each other. Wouldn't that be fun? It would change. It would revolutionize the church. It would revolutionize your home. It would revolutionize to begin to compete with honor. How do you give honor away? So here's what I know we need to do. I'm going to ask the musicians to begin to come up. There are some in this room, here's what needs to happen. Some of us, God has already given us a command, and for some of us, we are not under the umbrella of God's authority. We're not under the umbrella. There's commands, and some of us, what we need to do is stop living out here away from God's protection, and you need to repent and get under that authority today. And you say, God, by your grace and your mercy, whether they deserve it or not, I'm gonna honor. That's where you need to go. So you get back under God's protection and God's blessing in your life. There's others, there's others who don't even fully understand how much they're valued by God. You've been running from God, you don't want God in your life, but the amazing thing is this, that God loved you. And the Bible says that he actually honored you by sending his son. 